Y'all can take a seat. You know, pain is a lonesome place. I don't have to tell you, do I? It'll drop a rock in your stomach right through your pounding heart. And when your knees are so weak, you hit the ground and you finally realize you don't got this. Well, now you might just make it. You see, the tallest tree may not weather the storm, but its roots do. So dig in, stand up, and let the wind blow. Because there's hope. You know I break stuff, so I, I drop the microphone. How about our band, always doing an awesome job leading up to everything. Y'all give them divine worship, doing awesome. Hey, I don't know about you guys, but um, touch three people and tell them how happy you are that you're, you're here today, that they're here today. Okay, there is pandemonium in the auditorium today. Now find one more person and tell them what to get you for Christmas. Spouses, this is your cue. It's coming up. Okay, one person took advantage. Somebody's got, there we go. I saw some more. Some people's got my back. That's good. That's good. Well, I'm thankful that we're here today. I'm thankful for this series because I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be real with you. Is there a time I'm not real with you? Let's be honest. But I'm going to be real with you. This series, this series is going to be great because here's the question that we're going to be answering during this series. And then we're going to talk about where we're going to be in the Bible. We'll show you a cool way to get there easily. The question that we're going to be answering is, can God be good when life is not? Because when life hits hard, it plunges into a sea of questions we hope we never have to ask. But when we feel broken, abandoned, and searching for answers, there's a beacon in the storm, a comfort in your pain, a hope in the dark. Huh? You like that, right? That's how it is. So that's kind of what we're going to be diving into. So if you've got your Bible today, we've got a really cool way that you can join us with your Bible um, on our Bible app. We've been trying to do the, our Bible app, on the Bible app. Uh, <laughs> Yes, it's ours. Uh, we have some great guys program it and make it. We have some smart people in our audience that can do that. But on the Bible app, if you've got that, if you will go, click on the More button, click on Events when you do that, and all of a sudden you'll see Divine Church, and uh, it'll show you all the scripture that we're going to be diving into. Today, if you've got your Bible, we're actually going to be diving into Philippians 4 mainly, uh, but we're going to be in a couple, of other, a couple of other verses. So if you've got your Bible, you can take notes there. If you're watching us on live.thevine.tv, you can go there. It'll be available all day on Sunday. Also, you can find our greenhouse gathering on there if you would like information on that. Whatever that is for you, it's a cool way for you to connect with us, us to connect with you. And here's an even better thing. If you need to talk with someone or pray with someone, there's a contact link in there so that you can get in touch with us. And we'll have somebody who will pray with you. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and get that. And you can flip to Philippians 4. And we're going to be setting this thing up today as if it couldn't have been set up any better by our band, even though I decided by the vine worship and the vine created, they did a great day. I decided to break a microphone, and we still rolled with it. How awesome is that? God's faithful. It's a good day. There was hope in the dark, hope in the dark. We made it happen. Even unplugged things, you know, it just worked out. So this series, as I told you, is going to be where we honestly, um, we're just going to be real with each other. Because if, if I'm completely honest, I know that all of us here are going to either take this message uh, as something that's, Helpful and hopeful because it's the season you're in? Or this is going to be a message today where you file it for later because I promise you, you're probably going to be in this season. So how many of us can say somewhere in our life we're searching for hope in the dark? 
I see some hands. That's awesome. If we're completely honest, I think all of us are. And maybe you are having the best year yet, and it's been an amazing year. And so you just came out of that dark season. But you know in your walk with Christ that somewhere along the way, this hope in the dark is going to be important. So today I'm just going to tell you, you may take notes and you may say, Tyler, I don't, I don't relate with any of this. <laughs> like I just came out of a great season. I'm going to tell you, file it away, write down notes, because you're going to need it one day. I promise you, you're going to need it. Because somewhere in our journey, we're going to be searching for hope in the dark. And so here's some things that maybe you're searching for hope in the dark. Maybe you had your dream job this year. Or maybe it was even a few years ago. You lost it. You couldn't find a better job. The bankruptcy came. The foreclosure came. The cars were lost. The friends were lost. And you wonder, how can God still be good when life is not? Maybe, maybe that's not it. Maybe you love your spouse. You've been married for years, and they decided to cheat on you. And when they cheated on you, they blamed you for it, told you it was your fault. They broke your heart, and they left you. Maybe that didn't even have a spouse. Maybe that's just a normal relationship. Been there, done that. Just to be honest with you. Maybe that's a normal, normal boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. Maybe you've been there, and that's where you are. Maybe you've lived life to the full. You've ate right. You work out three times a day. You drink your protein shakes. You do everything right. You take care of your body. But you went to the doctor, and you found out you have cancer. They did surgery took it all out, you came back for your yearly checkup, and they promised you that they got it all the first time. And they just told you, we're going to have to figure out a different treatment option, because this isn't working, because it's back. Maybe that's the season you're in, and you're searching for them. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're trying to have kids, and you've prayed about it, and you've seen your married friends who have 20 kids running around to talk about how much they hate them, uh, how much they take up all their time, and how much they don't love their children, and you love kids, and you want kids so bad, but you've prayed to conceive, and you can't. And you can't figure out if God is still God and God is still good when life is not because you're doing the right things. You're obediently serving. Maybe you've been faithful every day. You've read your Bible. You've prayed. You've served in church, and yet you still battle migraines. You still have depression. You still have anxiety. You're still trying to figure out why you're going through this. Maybe that's the season that you're in. Maybe seriously, maybe seriously, you look at the world around you, and you see suffering. You look at the world around you. You look at our country, and you say, Man, there are kids starving. You look at the world and there are famines. There are people who literally can't go to the grocery store to get fresh water. We throw bottles away like it's crazy, right? Like there are people around the world that are searching for hope in the dark. Maybe, maybe as we get ready for this school year, you know, last year we talked a lot about some violence in schools. It's just been crazy. Maybe you see that and you're searching for hope in the darkness of that. And I don't know, I talked about some points, I've, I've, I've gone all over the board here, but maybe you said at the beginning that you didn't need hope in the dark of the season you're in, but maybe one of those resonated with you. And so today I believe that this is going to be a great message to you, because it leads to the question, leads to the question, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Like when we're searching for hope in the dark, isn't it easy to say, where are you, God? Like if I'm in any of those instances, like in a dream job, if I love my spouse and they leave me, if I'm living life to the full, I'm taking care of my body. They said that the cancer was gone and all of a sudden it's back. I can't conceive. I see my friends continue to have babies and they, they don't care about it like constantly, right? Or maybe I've been faithful. I've served in the church and I still battle all of these health issues, these this depression or anxiety or or, or maybe it's. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, a broken toe. I don't know. Whatever it is, maybe you're suffering. You're suffering somewhere. And you say, God, where are you? And I'm completely honest with you, and I'm just going to put it all out there. It can make you feeling like, does God even care at all? 
Has anybody been there? Does anybody ever feel that way? Like, as your pastor, I'm telling you, there are times I feel that way. Like, as I was growing up, I don't know about you, but so many times uh, growing up, like, how many of us, I've asked this question before to my detriment, but I'm going to ask it again. How many of us learned how to ride a bicycle growing up? Or maybe you're an adult and you finally learned how. So do you remember riding a bicycle? Like, when we talk about where are you, God, before we dive into Scripture, we say where are you, God. Like, you remember there was something that had to happen, right? Like you had to skin something, right? It was either an elbow or a knee. You had to fall down. Like once you fell down, that was it. Like if you could fall down, that was it. But do you remember what happened when you fell down in your life? Like some of us had parents that said, what? It's going to be okay. It's just a scratch. We're going to have to amputate. Like there's something that some of us had parents across the board, right? But once you got past that, you realize that they said it's going to be okay. But like have you ever been in your life like it's more than a scratch knee. Like, you tell yourself it's going to be okay, but you just don't feel like it's going to be okay. Like, I can tell you as your pastor, I feel like that sometimes. Like, I, I will tell you, there, there, as we talked about praising you in this storm, there are times in my life where I, I stand and I will tell you it's going to be okay. Like, I know who's holding the future. Like, I know Jesus has got this, and I'm telling you all day long it's going to be okay. But when I step off that stage, we load up that truck, and I go drop off that trailer, I ask the question, are we okay? Like, is everything okay? Like, I look at the chaos around me. Like, God, is it okay? Like, I look at the state of our country, and I say, is it okay? Like, I'm telling everyone it's okay. I don't want to stand up here and say it's, it's okay. And then all of a sudden, they're just like, he's just floating a line. Like, it's not a line. Like, there are times in my life where I know it's going to be okay. Like, I just skint my knee. That's it. But I feel like I got to amputate, right? Like, I feel like it's not going to be okay. And so that's the backdrop of the message today when we say, where are you, God? So as we go through this series, I just want to talk to you before we get into Philippians, because Paul wrote a cool letter there. But before we go all the way through this series, we're going to be rallying around this verse, Habakkuk 3.19. Excuse me, Habakkuk 3.19. Habakkuk 3.19. It's going to say this, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. I don't know if it's a deer for me, but we'll work on it. We'll work on it. He makes me fast, in other words, for the big boys who played line. Like, he makes you fast. He enables you to tread on the heights. The sovereign Lord is my strength. It's going to be okay, is what he says. And I'm just like, Lord, I don't, I don't feel okay. I don't feel okay. He makes my feet like that of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So as we get ready to go to Philippians, I'm going to pray. We're going to have an awesome service because here's the thing. I, I, I'm going to tell you this service is going to be about praying because it's going to be about talking to God. So, Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you that we get to lift your name high. Just please be with us today. You have a word for us. You have something special for us because if we're completely honest, on the outside, it may look like it's going to be on, okay, but on the inside, it's crumbling. And we know that you alone can give us comfort and peace in that. So I pray today, whatever word you have for us, that we would clear ourselves of the chaos, clear ourselves of the noise. And even though the storm is around us, we would continue to praise you and hear what you would have for us today. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you've got your Bible, or you've got your handy-dandy Bible app, if you've got that, go to Philippians 4. Philippians 4. So Paul felt this way. I'm going to be honest with you. Paul was in this boat. And if you've ever studied the Philippians or you've ever been in Philippians, what, what you can know about Philippians is this. Paul is about to write them. They gave to him when he had need. They gave to him not out of obligation but because of generosity. Like the Philippians and the church in Philippi did that. He's about to tell them that. So he's about to write them a thank you note 
for cash giving. So as ushers come down, I'm just kidding. Y'all Y'all thought I was trying to take some of <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like for real though, he did do that. Because see, here's what Paul knew. It takes money to do things. Money, listen, listen, listen. Money is just a tool that gets to be done to use things. And we get to give generously. So Paul knows that. So he's talking to the Philippians here. So the backdrop of us asking, where are you, God, is we're here in Philippians. We're going to be in, in chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. And we're just going to go through this and see when we ask that question, where is God, how Paul dealt with that in the Philippians. Verse 6 says this, finally, excuse me, <clears throat> verse 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and supplication, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. And as I set this up, I'm going to ask that we leave verse 6 and 7 on the screen here a little bit, and hopefully we can keep that on upline, online. I don't know if we can go back to that, but if you have that, I just we're going to focus on this in verse 6 and verse 7. Remember how I started out. Remember, you fell off your bike. That was back when they didn't have helmets. That's probably what's wrong with me because I'm pretty sure I hit my head multiple times falling off the bicycle. <laughs> like, now you wear helmets and you got knee pads and elbow pads and all that stuff, right? Like, it's a big deal now. You have all those things. But remember, your parent rushed to you and said, everything is going to be okay. But you didn't feel okay, right? Like, and as you get an adult, it can be a little bit different. So, like, for me growing up, I'm going to tell you a story as we talk about this. Do not be anxious for anything. Growing up, you might as well have called me Linus because I had a blanket. Y'all, my blanket was it, son. You didn't touch that thing. Like, that was my Superman cape. Like, I would wrestle you for it. That was my championship belt. Like, if we ever had wrestling matches, my blanket was my championship belt. And if you touched it, it was on like Donkey Kong because I was coming after you. Like, that was my blanket. Like, when the world around me was chaotic, I had my blanket. And I don't know about you, but, like, that was great. And you say a security blanket. Yeah, so what? I was in elementary school with it. Forget about it. It is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be because my kids are going to have a blanket one day and they're going to be happy with it too. And we're going to have great times and tell great stories. So call me Linus. It is what it is. But I remember growing up and having that. I also remember like in these times when it would be chaotic. I don't know. Uh, Olivia's probably going to remember this. She's going to laugh. But there were two things outside of my blanket that I could have to give me comfort. My Alvin and the Chipmunk CD uh, tape, cassette, not CD. I wasn't rich like that till high school. Like, I didn't have CDs till then. So, like, like cassette tape. Cassette tape, right? I mean, come on. Come on. That was it. Alvin the Chip. Alvin! Like, that was it. Like, I had to have that, right? And she'll be coming around the mountain. I don't know why I love that song from Alvin the Chipmunks, but they just had a way to do it. And then, and then it was my Disney. It was a red tape. My Disney cassette tape Christmas movie. Like, if I could play that, son, it was over. It was over. It was over. You know? ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, you know, Mickey Mouse, it was just it. Like, it gave me comfort. And even though I, I saw that it was going to be okay, it just made me feel like everything was okay, right? Like, everything was okay. But just like that, just like that, it was only okay for a minute, right? Because tomorrow came. And as I got older, if I came up here, if I ever have earphones in the back, I might be listening to one of those two things. You guys are going to be figuring out if you just see me coming around the mountain, you know, I'm just going to be doing my thing at the back, getting ready, or singing the 12 Days of Christmas. It's going to be great when I get to, to Goofy, because that's going to be it, or Donald Duck. I might lose it. So you may see that, but like for a minute, it can feel okay, right? Like we can feel okay, but it doesn't go away. 
doesn't it go away? Like those things in our life, don't they just kind of fleet? Like the next problem comes, like, like we talked about praising you in this storm. That's the thing about the ocean is it isn't just one big wave and then the seas are calm, right? It's wave after wave crashing in, right? And so you just continue to have those things. And so I don't know about you today, but when I ask where are you, God, I'm really, really asking this question. Where is my peace? Because Paul's talking about this. He says this. He says, hey, hey, when you go by every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. I'm not talking about temporary peace. I'm not talking about my blanket peace. I'm not talking about you telling me it's going to be okay when I know my leg's got to be amputated, even though it's barely bleeding. Like, don't tell me that when I fall off my bike. Don't tell me that Mickey Mouse and the chipmunks aren't right. Like, I, I, I'm telling you, like, there's something in my life that I know I need to have the peace that's eternal. I want peace in my life. There's something when there's hope in the dark. If I have peace for that, there's just something about my outlook that's different, right? Something eternal. I don't need anything this world can offer me when it comes to peace. I've got to seek the peace of God. And here's the thing. Here's the thing with me that I know what's going on is so many times in my life, I'll be honest with you, I'll just put it all out there. And as a pastor, when I say, are we okay? There's this internal struggle between fear and faith inside of me. And sometimes if I'm completely honest, fear seems more convincing. Fear seems a lot more convincing than faith. Fear seems a lot more like that leg's got to go. <laughs> that leg's got to go, right? Doesn't it? Like in your life, like when you look at the storm you're in or you look at this darkness that you're in that you're searching for hope for, doesn't fear just win sometimes, if we're completely honest? And when we say that, we're saying something is not right in me. And see, when I say that everything in this world is only temporary, it fades, it goes away, that I need something eternal. I have to look for the peace of God. I know that God alone will take something broken and make it whole. Because here's the thing. If I continue to let fear win in my life, what happens to a broken vessel? Leaks everywhere, right? Like if you pour water in a broken jar, the leak is just going to go everywhere. But only the creator of the universe can take what's broken and fill it to overflowing. And so, so many times in my life, that's the peace that he gives me. But yet, that fear, man, I'll look at where I'm spilling, right? I'll look at where I'm busting at the seams. I'll look at where I'm broken, and I say, man, that's what they see. They don't see you in me. And so maybe that's where you are in your life right now. So what in the world did Paul do? How in the world did he talk about that? Because here's the thing. I know as there's some teachers here, and as we're talking about that, as we go into this new year, maybe last year was the best year of your life. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was your best classes. You had some great students. Maybe you're a parent, and last year was the best year of your life for your kids in school. They won the talent show. Maybe they won prom king or homecoming king or queen or whatever that looks like. Or maybe they won an award. And, and yet, in a few weeks, it's going to be a new school year begin. There's going to be some new challenges that come across. As a parent, as a teacher, and as a church, I'm going to be honest with you, I know that this year may not be the easiest year to start off with. So I want us to have hope in the dark as we get to kick off a brand new year. So what does Paul do when he's talking to the Philippians? So I told you he started this letter, and he's about to, if you read the rest of chapter 4, he's going to thank them for their money. He says, thank you for giving to me in all these times. He's literally writing them a thank you letter for cash. Isn't that awesome? So he's telling them thank you for giving when you didn't have obligation. But what he wanted more for them before he thanked them for their gifts as he wanted them to experience the temp he wanted them to experience the peace of God. So verse seven says this: 
Verse 7, as we dive in, once again reminds us, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what he's telling them is, once again, I don't need anything temporal. Maybe I'm praying for a child, but a child isn't going to give me peace. How many people have children? How much peace do you have from them kids? Not a lick, <laughs> right? We come out crying, right? We come out screaming. Like, well, I'm still screaming. I need my diaper changed. Like, there's some times in my life, right? Like, we come out screaming. Like, that new promotion and that new job and that new, that new thing you want, it's not going to give you peace. It's going to be temporary. It's going to fade away. Like, if you say, if this one more person came in my life, if that spouse came in your life that you've been praying for, that relationship came in, it's only going to give you temporary peace. Maybe it's that grade or that school. Whatever it is, I don't know about you. I told you about my Linus blanket. But all of us, when it comes to faith, all of us feel like we have this thing. We love big, fluffy pillows and warm quilts on, the, on winter's day, right? Don't we, like, love just, like, mm. Snuggling up, like doing that. I don't. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm usually up. But anyway, most people do, right? Like most people do. And how temporary is that? Because the sun comes up and the day brings its challenges. And I don't know about you, but Paul knows this when he's talking to the Philippians. He said, you need a higher peace, one that only God can give. A peace that continues when your understanding stops. Like he's talking to you. Don't be anxious about anything. But every, in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So in other words, Paul's literally saying to you, you need something when you can understand gives you peace. Let me tell you where the Philippians are. They're sitting in the middle of this city under Roman occupation. Christians are around them in the church being martyred, persecuted, and killed because they say Jesus is who he says he is and believe it is. And they still give. They're being taxed like crazy. They're under occupation, and yet they still continually give to the Lord. And Paul's saying, hey, I know you see this chaos around you. I know you see all this around you, but you need something higher, a peace that's higher that only God can give. I can write you a letter and tell you how great you are and how thankful I am for your gift all day long, but it's not that that's going to give you peace because that will fail. Only thing that will continue to go is the peace of God because it will give you peace even when your understanding stops. So I read this and I'm getting excited. I'm like, Paul, man, that's my dude. I see you. Like, you've got this. Like, he's saying there is something great. Like, there isn't something wrong. There's a way to not feel like something's wrong. Like, there's a way when somebody says, it's going it's to be okay. Like, when somebody says that, there's a way that it can really feel okay. And then I looked at verse 6. I wanted to slap Paul. Do not be anxious about anything. Really? Don't be anxious? Like, don't be... Has anybody here ever struggled with anxiety? Like, for real, for real. I can tell you I do. I, that's that fear versus faith battle inside of me. That is anxiety. When fear seems more convincing than faith. That's literally anxiety. And it is debilitating. Like, I'm telling you... You can't move. If I could explain it, like for me, and this is me personally, I know that we all we all operate differently. So I'm not putting this or projecting this on you. But I will tell you personally, when I'm going through anxiety, it's kind of like the wave is crashing around me, and I'm sitting on the shore, and I tell my arms and legs to move, and they won't do anything. And I know that when the wave crashes, there's gonna be issues because that salt water don't taste good, right? Like there's gonna be something. But I'm telling myself to move like, you've got to move, you've got to move. And it's just debilitating when the fear is there. It's like, I, I can't move. I literally can't move. And that is my way to tell the world like, yeah, it's okay. I can sit there on the seashore. That wave's going to crash on me, but I won't be okay. Like that tide's rushing in. It's not going to do anything to me. 
and anxiety can leave me stuck right there, and all of a sudden I'll be like, something ain't right with him. There's something going on. You're right. Something's not right with me. That's how anxiety feels. Maybe some of us do it differently. That's how it presents itself to me, but maybe it's workaholic. <laughs> some of us, it's alcoholic. Some of us, it's foodaholic. Some of us, it's Netflix-aholic, fantasy football-aholic. Some of us can run around, and it's, it's gym-aholic. But whatever you are at this point, know that you deal with your anxiety some way. But what got me, and I said I wanted to just literally throat punch Paul, is do not be anxious about anything. I just sent you money. You're probably happy, right? <laughs> like, I just gave you something. What do you mean do not be anxious about anything? Like, do you see the Roman soldiers around me? Do you see the occupation? Do you, did you see the friend, my friend, they just killed because he said he was a Christian? And yet I'm not supposed to have anxiety? Like, I'm still supposed to come to the house of the Lord. I'm still supposed to go about every day trusting God and having peace. And you tell me don't be anxious? Does anybody else feel like something's wrong there? Like, doesn't that feel crazy? Like, doesn't that just feel like a motivational speech? Doesn't that what it feels like? And let me tell you, each and every week when you come here, I always believe you're going to leave here better than you walked in, but it's not because the words I say or the songs we sing. It's because you're going to meet the very presence of the Holy Spirit here. You're going to meet God here in this house. And any time he enters and invades your picture, you're always going to leave better than how you came in. And so right here, this is where the Philippians are is they're continuing to do what God's called them to do. And Paul's saying, hey, don't be anxious about anything. Not to mention, Paul, <laughs> y'all know my humor, but not to mention they just gave to a guy that's in and out of jail all the time. Like, think about that. Like, how crazy is that? Like, what if I was writing you from the jail cell constantly saying, thanks for your gift. I know you got bail money, but I'm going to keep doing what the authority tells me not to do, right? Like, all of us in that moment of time, like, wouldn't we get there? I would probably be punching Paul, like, don't have anxiety are you kidding me? Peter says this, one of the guys that followed Jesus and was with him step by step. He, he, he says this in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, as we'll get there and then we'll go back to Philippians. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Isn't that a hard thing to do? Cast all my anxiety on him because he cares for you? Like, that's what Paul's coming from when he says, do not be anxious. Like, how hard is it to cast my anxiety? Because here's the thing. Isn't it hard to believe that Jesus knows what I'm struggling with? Because isn't, doesn't it, when you say, where are you, God, you feel like he's out here, right? Like, he's somewhere up, up there, like, doing something, playing pool, watching Netflix, I don't know, whatever you believe God is out in the faraway galaxy. Like, you think that you've got to go and run to him and, like, I've got this, right? Like, I don't know if you know me, but the reason I have anxiety a lot of times is I got this. Like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to wade through it. Like, yeah, what do you mean I don't know how to swim? Just throw me out in the middle of the ocean. I'll figure it out. Or I'll drown. One of the two, right? Like, that's where my anxiety is. But Paul, Paul's saying, do not be anxious about anything. Peter's telling you to make sure you cast your anxiety on him. So how in the world, how in the world are we sitting here searching for the peace of God? Paul's telling us not to be anxious. We're trying to find a peace that's not temporal but eternal. And we hear Paul and Peter, these two great guys, like these two guys in the church. Like, if there are two dudes in the early church, these are the two dudes. Like, I love John. Y'all know, like, John's my book. Like, that's all about love. Like, that's my dude. He's got it. John's the gospel. Like, that's what I'm going to roll with. But, like, Peter was the guy who walked on water. Pretty cool. Pretty significant. Pretty significant. 
And Paul's the guy that's blinded and the scales fall off his eyes. And he literally is why we get to have church the way we have church today. So these are two pretty, pretty big guys in the Christian world, both telling you not to be anxious about anything. And yet when I leave here, I'm going to probably worry about the car at the red light cutting me off. I'm going to worry about what i got to deal with tomorrow. And I'm going to really probably ask myself the question, are we okay? So I'm supposed to not do that. So how in the world can I experience the peace of God that is eternal, everlasting, higher, never fades away, is always with us, versus this temporary peace that could be in my lunch meal, could be in the person I text after this or call after this, or, or the email I send after this, or, or the house I show, hey, hey, whatever it is, whatever I do after this, like the peace that's temporary there, how do I get past that into this eternal peace? And I know that when, and we'll bring Philippians back up there, verse 6 and 7, we'll bring that back up there. I know that when I'm trying to have this peace that's eternal, there's something that's got to happen, because most of the time when I ask, where are you, God? It means I'm not talking to God. Does anybody else notice, like, when you're really, really anxious, how your prayer life is? Mine's pretty non-existent when I'm anxious because I'm overwhelmed, right? I don't have time to pray. Like, what are you talking about? I can't pray. I got too much to do. I got 17 things to check out. Pray? Are you crazy? Talking to God? And when I say prayer, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I'm going to tell you because there are three ways that we can pray that Paul's talking about. Because in verse 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. So you mean like not, not just on Mondays, I'm, every situation? Not just when anything crazy in my life's coming, every situation? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Some of them call that prayer and supplication. So how many of us when we grew up in church were taught some prayer? I'm talking some real prayer. Like, you know, you closed your eyes and you marked out territory on the map and you got excited. And like some people, some people got that gift, y'all. I'm telling you, like they can pray you in and out of stage. Like you hype, like right when I'm praying, like they're ready to go. Like you get excited. So many times in our prayer, like we think, I'm just, I'm just talking to Jesus. Like I don't, I can't do that. Like all of a sudden, you know, they bring out things and they talk about money and talk about things flowing and it gets exciting, right? And we think that's the only way to pray. But see, there are three ways that you cannot be anxious in everything. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. The first one's prayer, but it's going to be a little different because i got to tell you what the Greek word for prayer is right there is it's talking about a conversation. Like Jesus is my homeboy conversation. Like Jesus and I are about to go watch the preseason game, homeboy situation. Like Jesus and I are going to go doing the fantasy draft. Like a lot of times like it's, hey, Jesus, this is what's going on. This is like I'm praying in the shower to Jesus. I'm praying on the way to work to Jesus kind of thing. Like I'm praying in the bathroom. Like I'm talking back and forth with Jesus, but yet so many times when I say that I can talk to God, when I talk about this prayer just being a, a, a homeboy conversation, a close conversation, a relationship conversation, like the Father in heaven cares about what I say to him, like this one-on-one -on -one talk, I think that it's devalued because it's not how I was taught to pray in church. You know, the Jewish people felt the same way. If you go to Jerusalem right now, there's a wall that you will see the Jewish people, it's called the Wailing Wall, and they'll put their prayer request in that wall, and they will just throw up prayers to God constantly. Because God's up here, and they're down here. And they are his people, but it's hard for them to, him to hear them, right? And so they throw up Hail, Hail Marys, and some folks say, but the Jewish culture, like, they just throw up these prayers on the wailing wall. They have no relationship. But when Jesus came, 
His disciples said, teach us how to pray. And he says, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's a conversation. It's a, it's a father-son relation. It's like my homeboy. Like, sometimes I'll just be like, all right, Jesus, like the Seminoles play in like 13 days, like, you know, let's have a good season. <laughs> Woo, kind of thing. Or, 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 hey, Jesus, you know, today's been really crazy. I know that the outside package on this says 2,000 calories, but you got a way. You can make a way, Jesus. Make a way and make it 200. It's all you, Jesus. Like, let me do something, right? Or, hey, Jesus, today I just, man, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm going through some crazy stuff. You know what that stuff is. But Jesus, like, if you can just help me have some peace during that, that'd be awesome. That's prayer. Conversation. What you're about to have at lunch. Do you talk to God that way when you're anxious? When you have anxiety, I know it's hard for me to do that. I have anxiety, like, it's hard for me to talk to God that way. Maybe I'm just the only one. Like, it's hard for me to just be like, Jesus, I just need to feel your presence right now. I just need to feel that. Like, Jesus, how? Like Jesus, you know how I feel right now. You know I'm about to go crazy because I smell some mac and cheese. Like, it's about to be on like Donkey Kong. I'm anxious. <laughs> oh, Jesus, come on. Like, having a conversation. The second way that we can talk to God today is this thing that says petition. And, and the New King James is supplication. And the Greek word for that, literally, supplication, is a word picture. It's this woman who has a child who is dying, and she's begging for his life to be saved. That's that intense prayer. Like, I imagine if, if my child was dying, and I was holding him in my hand, and I was begging on his behalf that he would be saved, I bet it would be intense. Like, it would just be like, like what we grew up with a lot of times in church. Our Father, all gracious, and it's reverent, and I'm not trying to make fun of it, but it's that. Like, our Father, gracious, holy, heavenly, Prince of Peace, Lord of Lords, Kings of Kings. Like, just dropping left and right. Like I said, that person. Some people have that gift, y'all. That's that intercessory prayer. Some people have that gift. And when they pray, son, you feel different. Like, I'm telling you, like, they literally, they will plant flags on countries and be like, God, take this territory, and God, send us here, and God, send us there, and let us do this, and reach these people, and give to these people, and do these things, and like, all of a sudden, like, you're in the prayer, and you're like, you know, you're getting hyped, like, this is it, yeah, like, you're ready. That's the prayer a lot of us learn, and there's a time for that. There's a time when you talk to Jesus as your homeboy, and there's a time that you talk to him in supplication and petition, like, you're laying it at his feet, and all of a sudden, for us, like, I, I think that that's where we get caught is we think that all of our prayers have to be this, this huge, eloquent speech. And Jesus, Jesus even said in his time, hey, don't, don't do like the world and have these words and repetition all the time just so you can sound great and sound awesome. Especially if that's not your gifting. Especially if that's not your gifting. But if you got that gift of intercessory prayer and you don't have a friend in your life that's got that gift of intercessory prayer, I promise you, let's link you up with someone that is. It'll change your life. It seriously will. They will get you hyped. And they will, you will feel the presence of God. But the third thing and the third way that we can talk to God today that Paul lays out is thanksgiving. So we can pray and we can talk to Jesus. Simple conversation. Petition or supplication, like intense prayer. Like when I think of supplication, like somebody's on their deathbed. Like they said, like this woman is praying for her son to be saved. And like you are begging God to move. And then this other one is thanksgiving. And so I don't know about you, and I wish I was perfect at it, and I'm trying to be better at it, but have you ever just gone, I call them mental health walks. Have you ever just gone on a thank you walk? Okay, I'm going to fall off the bike here in a minute. <laughs> if you go on a thank you walk, so this is what I mean. Everything I see and I touch, I just thank God for, Jesus, thank you for this keyboard. Thank you for this microphone. Thank you for this stand. 
man, thank you for this podium. This wonderful, thank you for my Bible, Lord. Like, thank you for this, thank you for this galaxy tablet where I'm not blind anymore and I can see up here. And, and thank you for this phone. And wow, thank you for Powerade, Lord, especially Powerade Zero. Thank you for this stage. Thank you. Thank you for these screens, God, and these speakers. Thank you for this microphone. Thank you for my glasses. Because Lord Jesus, I'd definitely be blind. Thank you for hair gel. Hey, oh, thank you for clothes. Thank you for thank you for deodorant. Thank you for all these things. Like it's it's Thanksgiving. Paul says you can talk to God in either prayer as Jesus is your homeboy, supplication or petition, where it's like intense spiritual prayer, like deep. Or you can just thank God for everything that you see. And it's funny when I have this battle, this battle with God between between the fear in my life and the faith in my life, and it feels like fear is more convincing, like that keyboard don't have all the keys I want on it. <laughs> that microphone ain't as pretty as I thought it would be. Like this podium, man, it's good, but you know, it's got some scratches and some dings on it. That Bible's written in, so it ain't great, like, you know, or or that it ain't that screen ain't as big as it could be. That anxiety comes in my life and that fear takes over. When I just go on a thank you walk, man, it completely changes. Completely changes. Like, do you not have a peace in that? Like, if you haven't done that, I'd challenge you to do that. Just spend a minute and thank God. Just have thanksgiving with God for what you have. Like, you might be surprised. And I'm not talking about the Thursday in November that we celebrated. I mean, like, seriously, seriously, seriously. Just thank God. And everything you see and everything that you touch, just thank God for it. And I promise you that anxiety that that when somebody says this thing that sounds like this facetious term and this, this term that's it's going to be okay, all of a sudden it feels okay, right? Because I'm experiencing God. I know that I'm thankful for who he is. And Paul says in the next thing, Paul says in that, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God. So it made me think about this, and it made me think about the season we're in, and, and the season I get to be in, and sometimes how it can be just crazy overwhelming, maybe where you are as you're searching for hope in the dark. And it made me think about some things in our life, and, it, and I thought of this, I thought of, hey, like, you know, how many of us schedule tragedy in our life? Good, no answers, great. Like, you schedule, tra you schedule times where you have anxiety and panic attacks. Like, it's not like God called me on the cell phone to be like, hey, like, I know you're pretty busy Wednesday, so we moved that panic attack to Tuesday somewhere around the line. And yeah, guess you're going to have a car wreck, and I've got you down for a broke leg. But can, do, we, do we need to change that to a broke arm? Broke arm? Is that going to work for you? Like, I don't think that we can schedule those moments in our life where it feels like we schedule these tragedies or these times that we hope in the dark. Like, when we're searching for hope in the dark, we can't schedule the season. Or like, it's not like God's going to say, hey, here's what I'm going to do for you. That job you have, I'm going to take it all away from you. Can we schedule that sometime in the next six to eight months? Is that going to work for you? Is that going to work for you? Hey, that... That spouse you want, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to send them in about 15, 20 years. You good with that? Like, is that the schedule you want? <laughs> what? Like, you know, like, is that it? You want to schedule that? Paul says, no, 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 no. Present your request to God. Because here's the thing when I talk to God and I present my request to God. It's not like he's scheduling the craziness in my life or he's scheduling when I can feel his presence. It's so that I can seriously know that he hears me. Because God's not surprised by my request even though I think he is sometimes. I think I make him laugh more than I want to admit. However, like, God's not surprised about my request, and yet I think he is, especially when I'm anxious. And I'm saying, God, remove this from me. Remove this fear from me. Remove this thing that's happening in my life, and I think he's surprised by it. Hey, God, you see the bills are coming up. You see the bills are coming up. He ain't surprised. 
He knows what's happening in your life. He knows what's about to go. Hey, God, you know how I feel. You know where I'm struggling. You know there's a cheese shortage. Man, this blanket ain't going to work. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's something in my life. Like, he knows. He's not surprised by my request. And yet so many times the reason I don't want to talk to him is I think he's going to be surprised by my request. And so I wonder if we know that we can talk to God to experience this peace of God. Because Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So there are three things, and you will see this thing, there are three things from this before we finish and wrap up in just a little bit. There are three things that you're going to get from this. So this whole thing I've been talking to you about peace and this whole thing I've been talking to you about where is God and how do we experience God and it starts with a simple conversation. You just got to have a conversation with God. If you're anxious, have a conversation with God. If you're struggling, you're looking for hope in the dark, have a conversation with God. Hey, maybe you're on this spectrum and you don't know who God is or you hear this, maybe you followed him two minutes, 20 minutes, 20 years or you hear Jesus and you think, that's fake. God can't be real. And I just want to challenge you. Maybe you're watching online and you don't believe God is who he says who he is. I'm going to ask you over the next seven days, ask him to reveal himself to you. That's all you got to ask him. Hey, God, reveal yourself to me. And I bet there's going to be a difference in your life. I bet there is. Don't be anxious about it. Ask him. Maybe you wouldn't have a, you'd probably surprised that a pastor would tell you to do that. But I'm telling you, if you don't know who God is, ask him to reveal himself. And Christian, maybe you've been following God your whole life. Or maybe not your whole life, but maybe you can go back and you know there was a moment in time where you received by faith Jesus is who he says he is. But the season that you're in, you haven't been talking to God. You're anxious about everything. You don't know what prayer looks like. You don't know what Thanksgiving looks like because you don't think you can experience any of it. You're anxious about everything. You're trying to go in supplication and everything you do or petition and everything you do. You don't even want to make your request made known to God because you, you don't even know what to ask him for except his presence and his peace. And I'm just going to ask you, talk to God about it. Ask God to reveal himself to you and watch what he does. Because here's what Paul's telling us. When we're not anxious about everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we present our request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will do these things. The first thing that will happen when we seek God by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving is we get a genuine sense of God. A genuine sense of God. See, Paul's reminding the Philippians that they get a genuine sense of God. See, we think that in their time, that they didn't have the same struggles we have, right? Like there wasn't social media, but everybody gathered together at the same time. I mean, for goodness gracious sakes, they had gladiators. Like, come on, like, you know, Maximus Aurelius. Like, right, like they just had all these things. I just screwed that up. I don't know his name. That's all right. I just remember the movie. It's great, right? Right, like they have these crazy, crazy times. And we think that what they face is different than us. But see, I don't think it is because Paul starts by saying, don't be anxious. And when you talk to God, then you're going to experience his peace, which transcends all understanding. So when you do that, you get a genuine sense of God, not something that you have to get. Sometimes we think, God, I want to experience your peace. It's not something that you have to grasp for. It's not something that you've got to work for. It's not something that you've got to climb the ladder for. It's literally asking God, where are you, God? I need to sense your presence because the presence of God is peace. What is Jesus? The Prince of peace. He is peace. It is peace. Only when you go to him and talk to him can you experience a genuine sense of who he is. We know that God is love, but part of who he is is peace. And so many times we don't, we don't want him to invade our space. We want to make our request, wail against a wall, and hope that he moves. What kind of relationship is that? 
Husbands, wives, what if that happened with you? Like, you never talked, you had a little wall that you put a request in, and you just went back and forth and hoped, hoped that somebody picked up that note. How would that relationship work? Awesome, I'd be visiting you in the jail cell for murder. I know, I'm not going to lie to you, I know that. But yet we treat God that way. But see, when we need to have peace that passes all understanding, when we go to him and we talk to him, we can have a genuine sense of who he is because when he's invaded our space, he doesn't fill us with an emotion. This isn't something that's fleeting, it's something that's eternal. It's who he is, it's God's character. That's something that will last no matter what the seas say. The second thing that's going to happen is we'll have a specific sense of guard. You see, in this moment in time, this guard that happens, what's happening is, is in the Philippian times, what would happen is they were under Roman occupation. And so they understood when Paul says that he will guard your hearts and minds, what he's saying is, like, in Roman times, if Rome was there and you were under Roman occupation, you were part of Rome and you were guarded. Like, there are soldiers standing outside your city guarding you. So he knows the Philippians literally look out of their church, and even though they're being martyred for being Christians, those soldiers are also standing guard of them. So in other words, only the soldiers could inflict pain against them, but God forbid any other nation come against them. So Paul is talking about God in these sense, and he's saying, hey, hey, just like you see that Roman soldier, when you talk to God, he's guarding your heart and mind from all this chaos because he's giving you his peace. He's giving you his peace. And so maybe you're like the Philippians here, and you see these Roman soldiers, you see the enemy occupying the gates around you, and you feel and fear that it will overwhelm you. But when you just talk to God, man, it'll change. The last thing that you get when you talk to God by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving is a sense of God ruling. A sense of God ruling. Because here's the thing. When we have a sense of God ruling, we literally put him over everything. That means that we... We understand that this world is his footstool. His enemies sit under his feet. It doesn't matter. He's already got the victory. Like Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. But yet I don't trust that it is finished because I think sometimes I got to do some work to accomplish it being finished. Like, Jesus, you didn't get all the check boxes, right? Like, I want to convince him that he didn't already do the work that I couldn't do. And so many times my anxiety can come from that because his will is for me just to follow him, just to talk to him, just to experience his peace. And yet so many times when we're searching for hope in the dark, we think it's a 12-step program. We think it's another person coming in our life. It's a job promotion. It's something that we've been begging for, and that's not it. You just need to experience God. And when we have a genuine sense of ruling, the reason that Jesus starts his prayer is our Father who art in heaven is so that we can say that he has the highest authority, that he is over all of this. And if we just trust him as our Father over all things, the peace, the peace that we can experience will be better than ever. And so as I'm thinking about this and thinking about the new year, as we get ready to wrap up, and we'll wrap up in, in 2 Corinthians here in just a minute, when I think about hope in the dark, I think about school starting back. I think about how crazy last year was. But I think about a man who walked in the 1960s. And he walked around, and we know him from this famous, famous speech on the Washington Mall where he said, I have a dream. And he had a, he had a dream that all children black, white, red, would be able to be in a nation together as one 
and have peace, right? And yet as school starts, as school starts, and I'll look at all these kids that get to go to school, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. And I'll look at all the chaos that could be. I'll look at everything that's going to happen. I'll look at, at where we can be stuck. I wonder how when riots were being met with men and fire hoses, when dogs were being unleashed on people for protesting in the streets, when he was in a prison cell, how in the world did Martin Luther King Jr. have hope in the dark? How could he write a letter? How could he have Selma happen to him? Like, how could he, how could he stand there? And one of his most famous things is, is he talks about, hey, I may not get to see you on that mountaintop, but we shall overcome. Together, we will experience this peace. And the hope that he had in the darkest of dark was the peace of God. That's it. How could a man that has zero privilege in his country, zero privilege, where he sees everything segregated, where he sees this water fountain's for you, this bathroom's for you, this place is for you, you can't eat here, you can't go there. How in the world could he have peace? And when I look at that school year, and I look at all those children, red, yellow, black, and white, I see what he sees. I experience the peace that he experienced. And it's not anything he did or anything he says, but it's because of who Jesus is and what he's done all the way through. And so how do we experience the peace of God? How do we literally, literally have that? And how can we have hope in the dark? 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 says it this way, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly, this is Paul writing this again to the church at Corinth, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. The anxiety that fills us is light and momentary. The times where we say, where are you, God, are light and momentary because we just say, hey, Jesus, my homeboy, what's up? Or we go in supplication and we go in petition and we get on our knees and we lift our hands high and say, God, if not for you. Or we walk around and say, Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. You've got Oh my goodness, everything you've done. Not only have you given me life, you've, you've let me be a part of all these things. You've let me see all these things. Like all these troubles that I see are just temporary. They're not eternal. So even this fear that seems more convincing in this moment has not overtaken my faith. Even though it seems more convincing, my faith in you is eternal. It is everlasting because you said it is finished. And even though I'm wasting away on the outside, I'm being renewed day by day because my light and momentary trouble is achieving for me an eternal glory that far outweigh them all. So I fix my eyes on what is, what is not seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. The hope in the dark is Jesus. The peace of God that transcends all understanding and those times where we ask, where are you, God, is simply a moment and in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a time and an opportunity for us to just say, I need your presence, God. I need you, God. I, you're my only hope. Everything around me, even though it's light and momentary, seems like it's crashing in. The waves will not stop. They are relentless, God. But I know, I know you've got a purpose. I know that you've got a point. So give me peace. Let me praise you in this storm. Let me trust you to call me to places that I would never go and fear would never take me, God. 
So as we get ready to worship here in just a moment, I just want to say this to you as we get ready to wrap up. And then I want to ask you, where are you at with God? Because here's the thing I know. When my hope is small and the resistance large, so much so I see man consuming man trying to climb up to that mountain that is only temporary, that will fall. I know that the chaos, God is still God. God is still good. His peace is everlasting. He is eternal. And all I have to do is fix my eyes on him, not my situation. And all of a sudden, the peace that surpasses all understanding guards my heart and my mind. So verse 8 in Philippians, way back then, if you'll look at that later today, see what we're supposed to focus our eyes on. What is true? Jesus is true. What is noble? What is right? What is pure? what is lovely, what is admirable, and anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There are times in my life where I don't feel like praising because the storm is around me and the waves are crashing. And how in the world could I praise you in this storm? How in the world could I trust you to call me out into this ocean? How in the world could you call me out somewhere where my fear will tell me I cannot go? And it's because I have the peace of God. I have God. I have a relationship with him. So right now where you are is you may be asking, where is God in my life? And I'm just going to ask you to talk to him during this song as we get ready to wrap up. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. This is a moment where I, I get to talk to you and say thank you. Thank you for what you've done on the cross. Thank you that I couldn't earn any of this. Thank you for allowing me to be in a time just as this, in a time that can be as chaotic as ever but a time where I can experience your peace like never before. So Jesus, in this moment, when some of us right now are searching for hope in the dark, some of us right now are asking where you are, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself like never before and that we wouldn't be blinded by our fear, but that our eyes would be open with our faith and that we see that you are who you say you are. And when we have you in our life, we have peace. No matter where you call us, God, Wherever you're calling us into the great beyond, the things that are seen around us have no power over you. You have the world at your footstool. Your enemies sit at your feet. You have defeated death and the grave. So I pray that in this moment, Jesus, that we would trust you, that we would see you like never before. We love you, Jesus.
Without 
So, can you say that he is yours? Because if someone calls you out in the middle of the ocean, are you going to see as the waves, the chaos, the sharks, the whales, everything's going to be overwhelming. But when you have the peace of God in your life, because you have a relationship with him, you can step out in faith and go and be a part of things you never could have been a part of on your own because you know the very creator of the universe you understand he he, he created this world and he controls the wind the waves and everything and you know the storms that are in your life when you have a relationship with him the times that you are searching for hope in the dark is for a purpose you always leave better than how you walked into that season it's never like you walked out of that season worse off than when you walked in because you got to experience the very presence of God and so if you can't say that you're his today, I want to say this is your opportunity. This is your chance to respond. This is the time where you can say, God, reveal yourself to me. God, show me you are who you say you are. And maybe in the midst of the darkest season in your life, God is giving you hope. And I promise you he has. Because the one thing that all of us have in common is all of us are sinners. And I want to tell you something that you may not have heard before. People don't go to hell because they're sinners, because all of us are sinners. People go to hell because they don't believe Jesus is who he says he is. And all it takes, all it takes is this, receiving by faith that Jesus lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we deserved on the cross, and rose again on the third day. That's it. That's it. No work, no way to earn it, no, no going and swimming in the middle of the ocean and trying to prove yourself to God. It has nothing to do with that. It's just you receiving by faith. He is who he says he is. So here's your chance to do that. As we get ready, everyone's going to have their heads bowed and everyone's going to pray with you out loud because we believe that we're not going to pray alone in this house and we don't want anyone to do that. So as everyone's got their heads bowed and their eyes closed, I'm just going to ask you in this moment, have you ever done that? Can you be called out in the middle of nowhere and still have peace? You can have it in Christ. And so we're about to pray, and everyone's going to repeat the words after me, and it's not the words of this prayer, but the belief, the faith that Jesus is who he says he is that gives you a relationship with the God of peace, the God of creation, the God of all. And so as we pray, I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you lived the life that I couldn't live died the death that I deserved on the cross for my sin. But love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life 
Take over my life. Let me experience your peace. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. And with every head bow and every eye closed, if you're watching online or you're in this house today, if it's the first time that you can say with faith that Jesus is who he says he is, that you can declare he is Lord of your life, I'm just going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to respond because this is your moment. If you really want to experience peace, you've got to know the Father. And the only way to the Father is through Christ. So this is your chance. I'm going to count to three. You can respond online or you can respond in this house. One, two, three. If that's you, respond. Get your hand up. We want to celebrate with you. We have people who want to pray with you. We have people who want you to know that we love you because you also weren't made to do life alone. If that's you and you're online, respond right now. If you're here, respond right now. If that's you, don't be afraid. Don't let fear overtake your faith. You just declared with faith that Jesus is who he says he is. Don't let fear seem more convincing and worry about what the world says about you and worry about everything else that's going on in your life. Let your faith in Christ be greater than your fear of this world. You just declared it. Will you respond? If that's you online right now, Make sure that you click on, you click the hand being raised. Make sure that you comment on Facebook. Make sure that you comment on Twitter. Hey, you can reach out to us. If it's in the middle of the week, you reach out to us. Reach out to us at prayer at divine.tv at 864-580-6698. We have people who want to pray with you and celebrate this step that you have. Take it. And for everyone else, uh, we know that we don't pray alone. So if you want to stand up and everybody lock. Lock it around. We do prayer as a family here. We don't, we don't leave anybody hanging out. Maybe you just need prayer today. Maybe you're in this moment and you identified with this message because you said, hey, you know what? I tell everybody it's okay, but there are times inside of me I just don't feel like it's okay. And so today I need to experience the peace of God. And if that's you, I'm going to pray for you right now. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to pray over us all. Pray over this school year and pray over our teachers and pray over what Dr. King saw, red and yellow, black and white, they all being precious in his sight. So dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to lift your name out. Thank you for every individual that's here, every person that's here, every story that's represented in this house, every story that's represented online, the story that you were writing, a story of hope in the darkest of times, a story where when someone says, where are you, God? You are who you say you are, and you revealed yourself like never. Thank you for that. So, Jesus, as we get ready to go out into this day and go out into this week in the chaos of this world, sometimes the fear in our life can seem more convincing than the faith that you've given us. So, Jesus, I pray. I pray that we would just talk to you. I pray that whatever we're seeking you for, God, that, that we would stop and listen and experience you. Because when we pray to you, when we petition you, and we say thank you for what you've given us, you always respond. And we always, always come out better than when we came in. So Jesus, with every person here that is a teacher, that is a student, that is a parent, with everyone that's watching online, whether it's in the middle of the week, Jesus, I just lift them up to you. And I pray that they would experience your peace this week. Some of us are looking really forward to this school year, and some of us have tears streaming from our face because we just don't know what it holds. I pray that when our understanding stops, that our faith would grow and that we would experience something that's eternal, not temporal. And that's you. We love you, Jesus. Please bring us back here safely next week.
can't wait to see what you have for us. I can't wait to see what you want to do. And I can't wait to celebrate with everyone how you revealed yourself like never before. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. Make sure you come hang out with us next week here in this house. We've got plenty of room for you. we got folks who are going to be working all week just for you. So please come hang out with us next week as we continue Hope in the Dark. Have an awesome week. The best is still yet to come.